All right, everybody, take your seats. Today we're talking about creating your support strategy. Take your seats. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Change Academy podcast, the podcast that is here to ease you into a brand new life and head you in the right direction towards becoming what I like to refer to as your ideal self. My name is Brock Armstrong, and I'm here with Monica Reinagel, as always. Hi, Monica. Hello, everybody. Now, in case you're new to the podcast, I'm going to let you know that this podcast is for anyone out there who's looking to make any sort of permanent and lasting change in their life without having to burn out your willpower, burn out your motivational posters and (laughs) completely uh, disrupt your life and perhaps your family and friends. And we're going to talk a lot about family and friends in later on in this episode. In our last episode, we took a little break from our series of eight things that you need to create lasting positive change and talked a little bit about the hidden cost of an unmet goal. But today we're going to return to our our previously scheduled programming and continue (laughs) with our list. We're on number five now, which is creating your support strategy and how important that is to your success. But before we dig into this episode's topic, we always like to take a minute to just share what we have been working on. And I actually have a little progress report to share. Oh, nice. Okay. So we were talking in our last episode about the cost of an unmet goal and the way you think over and over about something that you want to change and then you don't take any action to change it and how that starts to really impose a kind of psychic tax. And (laughs) the example that I shared was the caulk that desperately needed to be replaced in our bathroom. Uh, And how not only was I thinking to myself every time I got into the shower, oh, need to replace that caulk. But then I was thinking, and that's the hundredth time I've had that thought. (laughs) Well, after I gave that episode in our episode, uh, I decided I was tired of paying that psychic tax. And I'm here to report that our bathroom has new caulk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which also means now you can wash the the walls in the shower, because I think that That's was... <laughs> right. The domino effect, right? Yikes. So what have you been working on? Well, I actually, I recently completed a certification in cognitive behavioral therapy as a cognitive behavioral th- therapy practitioner. Got to get that right. And you know, when you get like a... I, I, the thing that I thought of was I got a new bike a few years ago. I got a new commuter bike. And when you have like a new thing like that that you're really excited about, it's like I was looking for every opportunity to ride my bike because it's brand new. I'm super excited about it. So every endeavor turned into a possible bike ride. Now I have this new certification and every time anybody asks me a question, it seems like an opportunity to flex my (laughs) cognitive (laughs) behavioral therapy practitioner muscle. And so I'm actually working on reminding myself that not every, just because I'm a hammer, not everything is a nail. And that sometimes people are just asking me a question because they want a jokey response or they don't want any response or they just want to, oh, that's too bad or, oh, that sucks or whatever. They don't all want me to say, so how do you feel about your mother? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and of course, I don't think they talk about that much in CBT, but I know you've been really excited about that work and, and I've been getting a lot of the collateral benefit from your doing that work, just kind of talking with you about it. And I know we're going to find lots of places to plug that in. 
Yeah, but I'm going to try not to just plug it into every interaction I have with every friend or family member in the next few weeks because that is going to be really annoying. And we always talk about that too in terms of like if you've got a new exercise program, like CrossFit people get really excited about CrossFit and that's the only thing I can talk about. Like somebody who's got a new diet and they're super excited about being low carb or carnivore or whatever and that's they just completely exhaust all their friends by only talking about that. So I'm I'm trying to be very mindful of when I bring that stuff up and I think that's a it's a something that's applicable to anybody who's really excited about all the change they're making in their lives and hopefully we're catapulting you into some of that change but not catapulting you into being that annoying person who won't shut up about their new diet or their new bicycle or their new certification or whatever well nothing wrong with a little enthusiasm but tempered with mindfulness that sounds like a recipe for success or social success social success anyway yeah so let's jump into our topic for today, creating a support strategy for whatever change it is that you've been thinking about uh, over these few weeks that we've now been working together and and how important it is to put something in place to support and what that might look like. Yeah. So the first place we usually look for support when we think about that is from our friends and family, mm-hmm. the people that are closest to us who are around us all the time. And that is a good place to ask for support. But, you know, it doesn't always go as well as we might hope. It's true. And the what's the old saying? Um, I think Jim Jim Ron is, uh, is sort of credited with it. I'm sure he's not the only person to have said it. But that old idea of you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Oh, better pick those five carefully. <laughs> exactly. I think that's a it's a good thing to keep in the back of your head. But sometimes you can't pick all five of them. You just have to live with a couple of them at least. That's right. And I think that's great to ask. You can choose not to involve your immediate family and friend circle in your change. Sometimes people like to work on something a little stealthily until they have a little bit more traction with it. They want to keep it to themselves. And that's certainly a valid choice. But if you feel like it would be helpful to have your friends and family on board with you, and supporting you, you can ask them for their support. And it's important to tell them specifically how they can support you, not to imagine that they can just guess what you need or what would be helpful or what would be not helpful. Go ahead and articulate that for them. Um, and don't expect them to be mind readers. Yeah. Like, and we're all hung up in our own minds most of the time. It's true that we spend a lot more time thinking about ourselves than we do thinking about other people. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It sounds like it's an egotistical thing, but it really is. It's just the way we're wired. We are concerned with our own stuff. And that can seem like we're being dismissive of our loved one's needs or wants. But unless you bring it up and ask for it, you can't really play that card of you're sabotaging me or you're doing this to me just because they didn't think of it. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Monica. You need to be direct and give them the information that they need to support you, not just assume they're going to figure it out on their own. Exactly. But you know, sometimes you can actually be very specific and very direct and let people know what they can do and then notice that they seem to be choosing not to support you. Mm. And that can be really discouraging uh, to to feel like your friends and family aren't on your side when you're working on something important to you and something maybe difficult and you've told them what they could do to help you and they're not doing it and I think the other another thing that we need to keep in mind is that sometimes when we are working on a change 
that can be deeply threatening to someone else's status quo. Oh, yeah. Okay. Especially in a closed system like a family. You know, one person in that household changes an established pattern. It kind of throws everybody a little bit off balance. And depending on how ready someone else is to look at their status quo or maybe consider whether it's something that they might want to change, it can be really destabilizing. So again, to your point... That's more about them than about you. Yeah, I think I see that quite often with people who start training for an event like a marathon or a triathlon or something like that. If they've sort of been a more sedentary family in the past and suddenly somebody is a lot more active, it really does. It, it feels like and and I'm putting myself in the position of the, the spouse who hasn't <laughs> signed up for the marathon or the triathlon, and it, it feels like their way of life is being assaulted in some way mm-hmm. or being questioned. You're not going out for a run, but I am. And and I'm sure the it's not often the case where somebody is actually doing that to the to the other individual, but it still feels that way sometimes. And so it really does take a, a deeper conversation sometimes to to establish the new norm, doesn't it? Right. And and sometimes if a, a friend or a family member seems antagonistic about a change that you're working on, or, or even just in a, what might seem like a playful way, but kind of taking jabs or, or making jokes or something. Um, it may really be about how they feel about the fact that they are not making that change and not, you know, but it, 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 it can come out sideways sometimes. So I guess in that case, or at that time, when, when you're faced with that sort of a, a dilemma, establishing some some boundaries and establishing an understanding that I'm not doing this to try to change you. I'm doing this because I want to change this about myself or I want to reach this goal or this is all about me, making sure that's well understood. But then where do you find that support? If you can't find it from your immediate friends and family, then then what do you do? Well, at that point, I think it's time to think about seeking out or even creating like-minded group of people, people that can actually encourage you to become the person that you're working on becoming. Yeah, it's true. We we really take on the behaviors of the groups in which we live and the communities in the, the communities we belong to. And so finding, seeking out those like-minded individuals can really be helpful. And I've seen this a ton of times running. I used to have a, a running group that in, in Edmonton and then in Toronto where twice a week we'd just meet up to go and do workouts or runs or together and just the the hive mind that sort of forms when all these people get into one position that becomes so self-supportive that even if you go back to a, a household that isn't necessarily on board you've got that sort of boost from having all those people around you who are all enthusiastic about the same end goal i've got a list here of things like if you want to work out more Become a member of a group where working out is normal. Exactly. And if you want to do better work, then surround yourself with people who make each day at work an art rather than the clocking in, clocking out kind of individuals. Find a group of people who really love their work. And if you want to maybe help people more, then surround yourself, like join a a group where service is part of their, their being and part of their routine. And that can really, that can reflect back on you and help you change that behavior as well. That's funny that you say that about work. Uh, my niece is a freshman in college. 
they were just saying in their first semester, they realized that in order to develop better work habits, they had to start hanging around with the other kids mm-hmm. who had really good work habits. Yep. I thought that was very, very mature. But, And I think that sometimes we also need to even just temporarily put a little distance between people or groups or environments that are reinforcing habits that we're trying to break, especially when we're kind of in the early stages of making a, a change. So if you have a group of buddies at work and their habit is to go out on Thursday night or Friday night and, you know, knock back several cocktails, happy hour, you know, round out the week, and that's a a behavior that you would like to change, you may need to distance yourself, exit that social group just for a little while and, and maybe replace that time with this, with a new group that you have uh, found that's doing what you want to be doing during that time. But it, it can be hard to kind of hold on to a fledgling emerging habit and identity in the face of a whole group of people who are rowing in the oppor- opposite direction. You always hear that from from parents as well. It's like, those those kids are a bad influence. I won't want you hanging around <laughs> with those kids anymore. And it's true. It, it, you can be influenced by by the groups that you you choose to hang around with. And, and sometimes it is, it seems painful and it seems oppressive to force yourself to not engage with those people for a while. But I, I think you're absolutely right when you said replacing it with something else. It's like any breaking any bad habit. Just trying to stop doing something is a lot harder than replacing it with something else that's more in alignment with your with your future goal or with your, your ideal self. And maybe it's helpful to remind yourself that it's not the people that you are trying to distance yourself from or that you are judging. It's it's just a pattern of behavior that is no longer aligned with the one that you're trying to develop. So you're not rejecting the people in your life uh, by choosing to put a little distance. I think that's a fantastic point, actually. What I've found is that a lot of the time when you take that group of people and you say, you know what, I feel like we've actually fallen into a real rut here and I don't like where we're headed. Most of them are going to agree with you and be like, yeah, you're right. I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And if you propose instead of doing like you were saying, maybe the happy hour on on Thursday night, if you propose going for a hike or something else, any number of things, learning how to knit, joining a, a community group or something together, instead of that, a lot of them will probably liven up and be really on board with that idea because it's the group of people, it's the friendship that you're really after and that you want to maintain. The behavior is really just secondary. And I think a lot of people do have a common goal of wanting to be a little bit healthier, a little bit better, move their lives forward in a way and not necessarily get stuck in in these destructive behaviors or or even uncomfortable behaviors. Good point. You can be a catalyst for, for change, positive change in a much larger arena than just your own life. Yeah. But we should probably just say it's really you cannot make your success ultimately contingent on someone else's cooperation. Yeah. This you really do need to own this. And in fact, there is a lot more to this topic of creating a support strategy than just the people in our lives. Yeah, I found a, a quote the other day in uh, in uh, one of the books I was reading that um, most of our behaviors are driven by two things: our environment and our beliefs. 
And our environment is perhaps the most powerful of these two because in many cases, your environment actually shapes your beliefs. And a lot of really successful businesses have picked up on this type of uh, belief as well, like places like Facebook and Google have surrounded their their employees with visual prompts that keep them feeling creative and feeling inspired and feeling, well, frankly, like working more, <laughs> which isn't necessarily the greatest thing, but it works. And uh, yeah, so I think our our environment is something that we often forget about and how we can set up those prompts. Well, and unlike the people in our lives, we have a lot more control over our environment, yeah. usually. Usually. So, so another uh, tip here is to is to make your environment reflect the kind of person that you want to become. This is essentially behavioral economics, right? Mm. It's about making the desired choice the easy choice in any and every way you can. Yeah, I think there's a, when I was thinking about this, this idea of having sort of prompts hanging around, I was thinking mostly about about the home, but the office can be really, really good. And the first thing that popped into my head was how doctors actually keep their credentials hanging on on the walls all the time. And I think that probably serves a dual purpose in that me as a patient, when I come in, I'm like, oh, great. This is, I'm actually, I noticed my massage therapist started doing that. And and when I come in to see her, she has all of her certifications hanging on the wall. And it makes me feel good that I've chosen somebody who's that knowledgeable and, and interested in expanding her horizons. But it also probably reinforces really well for her that she is somebody who knows what she's doing. And I am the top of my my business here. And I, I really am worthy of having these clients. And it seems like a, a small thing, but even just something like that, having your, your credentials sort of hanging around you can be really, really helpful to reinforce that identity that you want to uh, present to the world. Right. We talk a lot about this uh, whole area of behavioral economics in terms of nutrition and eating habits, mm, because yeah. we are so susceptible to visual cues in terms of what we decide to eat and how much we decide to eat. And just things like the way we organize our cupboards and our refrigerators, the size of the packages that we buy, the size of the plates and serving dishes that we serve our meals onto, the implements that we use, all of that can subtly affect our behavior in relatively painless ways. Mm -hmm. I think that's the, the kind of upside here is that this is the, you know, the opposite of willpower. This is just removing resistance to the right thing or the thing that, that you want to do. Well, because you're a nutritionist and I'm a fitness expert, we we talk a lot about the idea of like setting up your kitchen in a specific way and keeping foods that you want to eat more of in the front and foods you don't want to eat as much of in the back. And I always talk about having a yoga mat in the middle of your living room or somewhere handy and dumbbells in plain sight your running shoes in plain sight, all of those kind of cues can can really set you, yourself up for not only actually being able to do those things and making those right choices, but in reinforcing the identity of being someone who, and we always talk about that as being like, you want to, when you want to make a change, you want to start identifying yourself as a person who blank, who exercises, who eats well, who looks after their body, who and that can extend to even things like if you want to be a, become a photographer, let's say, putting some photography books out on your dining room table will reinforce that identity of, 
I want to be someone who's better at photography, or I am a person who is interested in photography. It's a strange choice, but you get my point. <laughs> it doesn't sure, have to so, be just exercise or nutrition. No, really, all of the things that we talk about in this podcast really could be applied to any change that you are trying to create in your life. And you get to decide which changes you choose. Uh, but once you do, take a minute to think about the kind of person that you want to become, and then imagine what that person's environment would look like. What would that person's living room look like? What would their car look like in terms of, not the type of car no. or whatever, but what would be in the car? <laughs> and, um, you know, what would be out on the table? What uh, All of those things that we surround ourselves with, with that cue to us who we are and what's important to us and how we want to be spending our time and energy. So imagine that you've already become the, your ideal self, and then furnish your world accordingly. I like to think that Neil deGrasse Tyson doesn't wear those space ties just because they're cute. He wears them because it reinforces his identity of being the space guy. <laughs> Have you ever noticed he wears space ties? I never yeah. had noticed the ties that he wears, no. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a lot to be said there for just that, um, what's it called? Enclosed cognition? Is that the, the term? I was just thinking of that too. And that's a term that you introduced me to. And yet I still forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell them what it, tell them what it refers yeah, to. Yeah. Well, there was a, I think the best way to sum it up is there was actually a study done where they took a, a bunch of college students and had, um, broke them into two groups, had one group write an exam dressed in their regular civilian clothes and then took uh, a different group of the, the students and put them in lab coats, like the quintessential lab coats. I don't know if they had pocket protectors and, and special glasses on or not, but gave them that just sort of air of being scientists or, or smart people, I suppose, in some ways. We, that, that's the way we view people. And, uh, and they found that the people who were actually wearing the appropriate outfit for writing this exam performed better on the exam on a whole as the people who were just wearing their, their regular clothes. So they found that just by dressing for the part, we actually become better at that particular activity. I know so many people who work at home and now so many more people who are working at home <laughs> that find us. that... <laughs> That if they get up in the morning and put on even, you know, office casual wear, mm. they go, they approach their work in a much more professional frame of mind. They're more productive than if they just decide, hey, nobody's going to know if I do my work in my pajamas. Um, but I think that's another another example of enclosed cognition is dressing for, you know, the the person that we want to that we want to be. But when you are thinking about how you can shape your environment to support you. Think of it in two different ways. One, decide how you can create an environment that really supports your vision of your ideal self, but also be on the lookout for things in your path that may sabotage your efforts. Mm -hmm. Anything that could put a speed bump in your way or a hurdle or a barrier and see if you can figure out a way to remove that. So if you are trying to cut down on snacking in the afternoon, Get the snacks out of sight so that every time you walk into the kitchen, you don't see. I had a, a, a good friend a drop off. This was before uh, before the shutdown. Drop off a, a jar of homemade granola for mm. me one day. It was so good, you know, and, and granola is a treat. And I was out on the counter in the kitchen. And every single time I walked into the kitchen and saw that jar, 
I shook Just out a little a handful. handful of it yeah. and I ate it. Right. It was delicious, you know. Yeah, and, uh, and sweet. Mm. Oh, it's fa- fabulous. And I finally realized, like, I got to put this granola away or it's not even going to last till breakfast. So I just opened up the cupboard, put it in the cupboard, shut the door and, you know, problem solved. I walked into the kitchen. I didn't see the granola. I did not have a handful of granola. But don't underestimate how susceptible we all are to those cues and make your life a little easier by removing things from your environment that cue you or prompt you or tempt you to depart from your path, from your progress, from your vision for yourself, and fill it up with things that that propel you towards your goal. Yeah, I used this kind of technique twice um, that I can think of sort of immediately off the top of my head. Years ago, I realized that I was working, I was working for the government, regular desk job. And when I got home from my, my day, I'd usually make dinner, eat dinner on the couch in front of the TV, and then channel surf for hours and hours. And this is like the early 2000s when there wasn't that great of TV shows on. So I just found myself just surfing and surfing. And you know, that old thing of, well, it's only another 20 minutes before the new shows start. So I'll just, I'll just watch this (laughs) until the next thing. And I was wasting so much time. So I got rid of cable, got rid of the cable, but I lived a few blocks from a, from a blockbuster video store. Remember those? Mm -hmm. And so I decided that having that barrier between me and and entertainment where I actually had to if I really wanted to watch something it wasn't just turning on the tv and channel surfing it was actually putting my shoes on walking two or three blocks choosing the show paying for it and bringing it home again and that just made me so much more mindful of what I was actually devoting or what kind of show I was devoting my time to and choosing them so much more specifically. And if I wasn't actually interested enough to leave the house to go and get a show, then, well, there were plenty of other things that I just magically found to do when I removed that barrier from my life of just having cable TV to fall back on at any time. It's it's an amazing thing, just curating your your world to support what you what your your end goal is. I didn't miss the cable TV because I wasn't actually enjoying it in the first place, which was a great re- revelation. Yeah, this is one of the shifts that we find to be essential in our our weight loss program where we teach sustainable weight loss and that is instead of trying to increase your willpower, which is what people always think that they need to do, yeah. Look for ways to need less of it in your life. It's true. We often hear that people say, like, I just don't have enough willpower. I lack the motivation. And those two words are always red flags where for us to say, well, do you really think that's the problem? Or like, let's let's look at this from a more holistic, just step back a few steps. And and a lot of the really big wins come, come from the stuff that we were talking about just now. Yeah, so I think you all are really going to enjoy this week's lab assignment. Oh, yeah. But okay. uh, before we get to that, let me just quickly summarize the, summarize the takeaways from today's episode. Number one, surround yourself with people who encourage and support your vision of your ideal self. And don't be afraid to ask for what you need. But if people are not prepared to support you, go ahead and put a little distance between you and them for now. Yeah. Number two, curate your environment or hack your habitat. I love that phrase. (laughs) In ways that support your vision of who you want to become. And number three, remove whatever obstacles you can from your environment 
instead of just counting on your willpower to resist them. It's going to make your life so much easier. Honestly, I think just looking at your the space that you spend the most time in in your life, just look at what's around you and do what you were saying, what Monica was saying earlier about what would the person that I want to become fill this space with and what would they remove? Like whether that's wearing your space tie or whether that's putting the <laughs> photography books out on the desk or whether it's putting a yoga mat in the middle of the floor. There's a lot that can be achieved that way. So this week's lab assignment is going to be to do exactly that. Look at your own life and your own habitat and just really do some some deep thinking about whether the groups that you belong with have the do they have a similar identity to the one that you want to achieve does your home or your office reflect that identity that you want to have and and embody and if not then what are some things that you can easily change or or just adapt to make it be much more in alignment with that vision of your your ideal self and just start with one or two things don't get carried away. We don't. You don't need to go to IKEA and buy a whole new <laughs> office setup or anything like that. Just make a few changes here and there that you think will make some. Do some visual cues for you. Do some emotional cues for you to just help you move a little bit closer towards that ideal self. So we would love to have you join the Change Academy, which is our community of people who are working on positive, sustainable change in their lives. And you can do that by subscribing to this podcast if you haven't already. And if you're enjoying the Change Academy, go ahead and tell somebody you know about mm -hmm. it that you think would also like it. Or if you are so inclined, you can leave us a review or a rating on your podcaster or in Apple Podcast. I think that's actually where it does the most good. Yes. Number two, you can sign up for our updates. Just go to changeacademypodcast.com, which is our website, and you'll see a handy button there where you can put yourself on our mailing list. And we will keep you posted when we have new episodes coming out or any other special events or trainings that we're going to be offering so that you don't miss anything. And if you are a social media maven, you will find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We have the same handle on all of those different platforms. It's Change ACPOD. Change ACPOD. Come find us. And then once we have connected through one of those means, we'd love to hear from you. Tell us what you're working on and how we can help you get there. You know, it would be really cool if people were to post a picture of your habitat. Yeah. Either the before or the after. And just tell us what you're planning to change, what you changed or or anything like that. Just let us know what you're what you're up to. Oh, yeah, that would be super fun. Hey, and if one of the things that you are working on is finding a healthier relationship with food and for your body, I'd love to invite you to check out the resources that Brock and I have put together on our website, wayless.life. Nice. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. So we'll see you guys again soon, where we'll go into number six on our list of eight things, which is practice. <laughs> yes, practice. That's a good one. So We'll catch you in the next episode, everybody. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. This has been the Change Academy. Don't forget to hack your habitat. <laughs>